0: Father, we thank you this morning for your love, for your sacrifice. And Father, this morning, as Gertrude comes to bring the word, we ask Holy Spirit, you would come upon her, you would anoint her, and that the words she speak will be the words that you have given, and that it will uh, change lives and encourage hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. How many brought your Bibles with you? Remember the last time we were asked that question? <laughs> I'm not going to count to see how many, anyway. Just going to leave this back. And since I'm having a little trouble with cataracts, and I think the cataracts are winning, change my glasses. And for our scripture this morning, we're going to the sixth chapter of Genesis. Genesis chapter 6. We'll start at the fifth verse. We'll read from 5 to 13. Then we'll read verse 18. And I'm reading out of the, I believe it's the NIV. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the hearts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, birds, and creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am going to destroy both them and the earth. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under heaven every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on the earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Now, I know that everybody knows the story of Noah in the ark or Noah in the flood, I think we've known as from Sunday school, all of us could stand and tell you the story of Noah and, and the flood and Noah and the ark, and, but I have a few thoughts I'd like to leave with you that I don't think we quite covered in Sunday school, and uh, we've done our background reading. My first question was, so who is this man called Noah, and why was God showing him such favor? So first of all, a little background on Noah, Noah was the great-grandson of Enoch, and we know who Enoch was. He was the man who walked with God, had such a wonderful relationship with God that God uh, translated him like he did Elijah uh, and uh, without going through the valley of death. And God took Enoch home at the very young age of 365 years. So <laughs> because people back there were living long lives. Yeah. And so I used to wonder what fueled Noah's faith. And so I was doing some research reading on Noah, and I found out that there are three people, uh, three different people whose lifespan overlapped and making them all contemporaries of Noah at, one, at different times, of course. So it's quite likely that Noah's faith was fueled by his father Lamech, his grandfather Methuselah, and his great-great-grandfather, whose name was Jared, and we don't hear much preach about Jared, but anyway, I believe the, all three of these men had a great impact on Noah and uh, was instrumental in establishing the faith of Noah at a very young age. Now, the Bible tells us that Noah was a very, very righteous man, blameless among his people, and not only that, by this time all these other people who were God-minded had died And at this time, Noah was the only follower of God left on the earth. Now, the Bible tells us what kind of people were living then. And you know, as I was reading, I was thinking, uh, we're living in a world today which is not all that different than in Noah's time. And as the time of judgment came in Noah's time, I think the time of judgment is coming for us too. And it might be a lot sooner than we expect it will be. Living in the center of these central people, Noah was a man of faith and commitment. He lived a righteous life and, prepared and purposed in his heart that he would serve God regardless how the people lived around him. And Noah's faith and his belief was in direct contrast to the wickedness and the unbelief that he was surrounded with. But, you know, he had a relationship with God and he wanted to keep that relationship with God. So he purposed in his heart that regardless of what went on around him, that he was going to serve God. And even though he lived in the midst of a wicked and sinful people, he himself did not become one of them. He, um, the people around him lived to please their own degraded desires and pleasures, while Noah lived his life to please God. And I'm sure that Noah was ridiculed and mocked many times because of his commitment to God. But you know what? He was steadfast, regardless of how he was treated or what the people thought of him. He served God. And two things I, w- I noticed when I was reading about Noah one of them was Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, verse 6. And I know, as I stand here this morning, I'm so grateful, so thankful for the grace of God that was showered on my life. Because I can assure you, I wouldn't be standing here this morning. And the other was, over and over again, in the count of Noah's life, we read that Noah did everything just as God commanded. That's quite a testimony. I I just would wish that when I died, that that would be said of me, she did everything just as God commanded. So Noah was a man who was committed to his God. He lived in a, a wicked and an evil, corrupt generation, but he had purposed in his heart that he was going to serve God, and he did. And the Bible tells us that he found favor in God's eyes. Noah was committed to God. And as I thought about that when I was putting this together, I thought, I believe God is still looking for men and women who will dare to be that committed to him today. Noah lived in evil and a wicked generation, but he served God regardless. And I think God is still looking for men and women today who will have that determination that they are going to serve God no matter where they are or what goes on around them. And I think God is still looking for people who will stand up and stand out for him. In a Christian life, there is nothing is an acceptable substitution for faithfulness or commitment. And I believe Noah lived that and showed it in his life. If we're going to be Christians, if we're in, in it, then let's be in it all the way, and not just when it pleases us or suits us. Okay, so Noah didn't decide that he was going to serve God this time and maybe not that time. He, he had purposed in his heart that he was going all the way with God. And I think God wants us to make that same determination that we're, we're going all the way with him. So Noah was not only committed to God, but he was also commissioned by God. Now, I, I did some more research, and I found out the commission can be both a request or an honor, order. When it is an order, it usually comes from the highest of ranking authorities. And I can't think of anyone with a higher ranking than the Lord God himself. And so when he told Noah about his plan to send the flood, he commanded Noah to build this boat, and he gave Noah explicit instructions as how he wanted the job done. Now, this was a monumental task, And it took 120 years to complete. And all that time, God was giving mankind, through Noah, another season of opportunity to come into a right relationship with himself. How patient God is with us. The scripture says that God is not willing that any should perish. And so God gave this space of time while Noah was building the ark for mankind just to have one more chance to come into Right relationship with himself. And you know, I'm sure that Noah took every opportunity to share the gospel even as he was working away building the Ark. And I think that he did that all his life, that every opportunity he had, he would share the gospel with people that he talked with. The other thing I found notable commissions is that there is usually some kind of payment, credit, or reward that's connected with the commission. Well, God had just told Noah that he was about to destroy the earth and everything in it, with the exception of Noah and his family. And I think that for Noah that was having a part in his own salvation, I think that would have been credit enough for me to know that God's going to wipe the earth clean, but yet he's spared Noah and his family. We also, like Noah, have received a commission from our highest authority, which is God Himself. And when Jesus was on the earth he left with his disciples and with us. Mark fifteen, sixteen, he told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now and people always say, okay, we I can't preach, so that doesn't mean me. And we all know that how we treat our neighbors, our families, how we treat our enemies, how we do our business, all that kind of thing, has a lot to do with telling people who we are and what we're all about. It's very easy to say, I'm a Christian, and I don't do this, or I don't say this, or I don't go here. But you know what? People are watching us. They're watching us all the time. And you know what they're watching for? They're watching to see if we walk what we talk it's easy to say words. It's another thing to live those words. So just remember, people are watching us, and before we spout off about I don't do this and I don't do that, make sure that we, would, we live what we talk about. We do not live in a vacuum, and our actions, our reactions, will tell people a lot more about us than we think, maybe a lot more than they'd want us to know. So... Uh, The uh, Great Commission says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Let me encourage you to go into all the world and live the gospel. And as someone said, and use words if you have to. (laughs) Noah was commissioned to build an ark to save lives. We are commissioned to preach the gospel to save souls. Now, there was nothing to indicate an approaching storm except God's word to Noah. And God took him at his word and immediately began uh, making this boat. They hadn't had rain because the uh, earth was watered by a mist that came up out of the earth and watered everything. So the people didn't have rain to fall from the sky. So for Noah to tell them that there's going to be a flood and rain's coming, they really must have thought he was crazy. And I'm sure they made lots of fun of him. But Noah took God at his word and made preparations for this judgment flood regardless. Obedience is the cornerstone to our faith in God. And while Noah's obedience led to blessing and reward, the disobedience of his contemporaries led to their utter destruction. Noah was committed to God. Noah was commissioned by God. And he was also covered by God. I said I thank God for the his covering hand. Uh, on Thursday I was down at Scotia Square and I left I was waiting for a bus and I sat my purse down on that long black bench and I got up, jumped on the bus, left my purse there, and went up to Roby Street before I realized I, I had no purse. And my first thing I was Dear God, cover my purse, <laughs> and and then please send somebody honest to pick it up. And he he was right there both times. I don't know who picked it up or who took, but someone found it, took it to uh, security at Scotia Square, and uh, when I went to get it, he said, "Check in it, make sure everything's there." All my money was there, my cards were there, even my change purse was full of change that I had it. So I just. Thank God so much for his covering hand. He is so good. Now, God didn't tell Noah to put steering in the ark because Noah wasn't expected to steer the ark. As a matter of fact, the ark wasn't made to sail. It was made to float. It floated on top of the waters, and as as, uh, the waters rose, so did the ark. And God was the one who directed where it floated and where it would come to rest. During those 150 days that the water covered the earth, all those inside the ark were safe as long as they stayed in the ark. Everyone else drowned in that flood. Everyone else went through the flood, which typified God's wrath against sin. But only those sheltered in the ark were saved. Colossians 3 and 3 tells us that our lives are hid with Christ in God. Noah's Ark is symbolic of Jesus Christ, who is our Ark. By entering the Ark, Noah ensured the physical survival of his family. When we enter into saving faith through Jesus Christ, we ensure our spiritual survival through eternal life with Jesus Christ himself. Now, there was only one door in the Ark. And when I first read it, I was thinking it's such a huge, huge thing. I'd have at least six doors in there. But God said, put one door in the ark, in the side of the ark. And that door, Noah and his family and all the animals had to go through. And when they went through that door, they went through to safety and deliverance. We have a door this morning that we can come through. That door is Jesus Christ. He tells us in John 10 and 9, I am the door. If any man enters through me, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pastor. Acts 4 and 12 says, There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And Romans 8 8.1 tells us, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he is our only entrance into the Ark of Salvation. If we enter this door, we come into our deliverance and salvation, just as Noah and his family had to walk through that one door on the Ark. Because if they didn't, there was no other way into the Ark. So they would have been lost in the flood had they not gone through that Ark, that one door. And so we have that one door. It's only Jesus Christ. There are no others. I, you know, you hear people say, All roads lead to Rome. Well, all roads don't lead to heaven. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ, and he's the only one that we come through. Now, we have no guarantee on tomorrow. We don't know what the future holds for us. We don't know what to expect. When I went on Thursday, I didn't expect to lose my purse. And on the weekend, we had another test that, we, that, you know, God will say, put me to test, prove me, and see if I will keep my word. And you know what? He keeps his word. We had something happen on the weekend that, trust me, we had to believe God. And we just said, God, this this is in your hands. We can't do anything about it. This is in your hands. And again, again, God proved himself. So we never know what to expect from one day to another. Some of us, you know, down the road may have to go through serious sicknesses. Some of us have already had to go through it. And what we've done is go to the ark of our healing. uh, The scripture tells us in Isaiah 53.5 that by his stripes we are healed. And so we had to go to the ark of our healing and trust our God to keep his word. And he was faithful to his word. And I'm so thankful this morning that he is a faithful God and we can take him at his word. I was pray- in prayer one night and that's what the Holy Spirit reminded me so strongly that we can take God at his word. If he says he's going to do it, the song Ridge, he will do it. If he says he's going to do it, he will do it. And we can take him at his word. You know, um, Others may have a great need in their lives. Sometimes needs come up in their lives, and we have no way to meet those needs, or we don't know what to do. But he will be our ark of provision at that time, for he is our Jehovah-Jireh. Philippians 4.9 tells us that my God shall supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And I could write a book on the many times that God has divinely... um, answered prayer for us and made provisions for us when we had no way to do it for ourselves. Uh, At one time, I can remember, it's been quite some time ago, we were living in a different house than where we live now. And winter was always a hard time for us because we had to buy our own oil and keep the the drum filled. And this time, the the drum was quite low and there was no money to fill fill the drum with the oil. And... (laughs) Gwen's laughing. She knows where I'm going. But she was there. She experienced it, too. But along came the oil man to fill up somebody else's drum that was in the same place where ours was. And they filled up ours by mistake. (laughs) Filled it right to the top. And then he said, well, I can't take it out, so I guess you got some oil. So you can't tell me that God doesn't provide for his people (laughs) I tell you, we were joyful sisters that day, believe me. So, you know, when God says he will provide, he will provide. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and still others, sometimes we have to make grave decisions, hard decisions, and we don't know kind of what to do or where to turn. But you know what? Jesus can be our ark of wisdom. James 1.5 says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Some of us may be called to go through hard separations, friendlessness, great loneliness, whatever. Jesus will also be that ark of friendship to us. Proverbs 18.24 says, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So we're never alone. If you're looking for truth this morning... Jesus is the ark of truth. He told us in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Christ is our ark for whatever we need. And just as Noah stayed in the ark, when we stay in the ark, we can expect God to cover us, watch over us, protect us, and provide our needs. We can count on the hand of God moving against any floodwaters that would threaten to overwhelm us or overtake us. And he's always there to watch. Because he is our ark of peace, we don't need to fear what the future holds. For we have His word that he will never leave us or forsake us, and someone mentioned that this morning. John 14:27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Noah trusted God to take care of them while they were in the ark, and we can also. We don't need to know how to steer our course through the storms. God is at the helm, and he he knows where he wants us, and he knows how to get us to that place. And we can trust him for each and every day. And there's one more scripture. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The people rejected Noah's God and kept right on sinning and doing their own thing until the stench of their sin reached heaven and God finally said, it is enough. There comes a time when God says, it is enough. And even as I was typing this out, I felt there was something that I had to read over again. And what it was, was God is a holy God. He is grieved by sin because it goes against his very nature. But what I felt to read was God will always judge sin. He cannot and will not condone it or ignore it. God will always judge sin. He cannot and will not condone it or ignore it. We learn from Noah that it is possible to remain faithful and pleasing to God even in the midst of a corrupt and sinful generation. God blessed and saved Noah and his family just as he will faithfully bless and care for us if we obey him. He didn't promise that we wouldn't go through some severe storms, but as he was with Noah, so he will be with us in our storms. And bring us into his desired haven of peace and safety. Our call to obedience is not a short term, one time call. Like Noah, our obedience must be lived out over a lifetime of everyday faithful commitment. It's not an on again, off again thing, it's something we do every day of our lives with God's help. Noah left us a legacy of faithful obedience. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And I pray that that will be our desire this morning, that we will walk with God like Noah and do everything that he commands us. Amen.